Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Good to see everybody in the building. Good to be back with my Central Christian family. And for those of you, this is your first time or your first time in a long time. This is how we worship every single weekend here at Central Christian Church. Yeah. Actually, you've caught us uh, in the third week of our newest teaching series called Hit Songs. And I know some of you guys, as you were listening to the hit song that I chose to preach about, End of the Road by Boys to Men, you're listening to this song and you're saying, what? That is not a Jesus song. Why are they playing that in church? Right? Everybody, that's the whole point of the series. What we're communicating is that God can use anything and anybody he wants to communicate his truth, even through people, places, or things that may or may not be Christian. Everybody, this particular song, End of the Row, was number one on the Billboard charts for 13 weeks in a row. It broke industry records. It, it won awards, and it solidified my epic man crush on this group growing up. I mean, listen, when you got athletes, alpha male, muscle-bound dudes in the shower, in the locker room, in the toilet stall talking about when a kid sleeps at night without holding you tight, you know, you got to be doing something right, right? I know that some of that was a little bit of TMI, but anyway... This song, everybody, was all about something extremely significant coming to an end, and specifically a dating relationship coming to an end. But hey, but how many of you guys realize that each of us in the building were on a journey, all of us are on a road, on this side of eternity, that one day is going to come to an end? Yeah. And so what does it look like for us as a people, everybody, to begin our lives, and maybe for some of us to begin our lives again, looking and working with the end in mind. And especially those of us who know and love Jesus to have a healthier mindset and mentality surrounding our lives and the end of the road. I like what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I eagerly hope and expect, uh, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Whether by life or death, for to me, living means opportunities for Christ and dying. Well, that's better yet. Yeah, some of y'all read that last part. I had you until we got to the last part. You're like, what? What is he talking about? Right? But everybody, that's the whole point again. What would it look like for us to embrace, uh, like Paul did, that our lives here are just temporary? And we not get down, depressed, or discouraged by that, but we allow that truth, we allow that fact to help shape our lives, shape our actions, shape our, our decisions, and help us embrace our ultimate transition as we, uh, as well as the, the reward that awaits us when we all eventually, everybody, move from the temporary here on earth to the eternal up in heaven with Jesus. And so, everybody, I want to take us into a Jesus story to help me illustrate this a little bit more thoroughly. In Matthew chapter 25, if you want to follow along with me, we'll have the passages up here on the screen for you. But Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is having an intimate moment with his disciples, and he's sharing a parable or a story with them. He says in verse 14, for it's just like a man going on a journey. He called his own slaves and turned over his possessions to them. To one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And then he went 
on a journey. Now, everybody, in this parable, Jesus introduces three very important pieces of information for us that have a real-life application to us today. He talks about the man of the master. He talks about the three servants, and he talks about the talents, right? Okay, so for us, the real-life application for us, the man or the master, who does that represent for us today? Somebody say God. The man or the master represents God, okay? The three servants, who do they represent for us today? They represent us or mankind, right? And then the talents, biblically speaking, we know they represent money, But for us today, the talents, everybody, they represent uh, those skills, those gifts, those assets, those abilities and attributes that God gives to each of us, right? You know, those certain things that that are just God-given. You know how you look at some people and be like, "Uh, bro, you got a gift. You know, how, you know how you look at people like that? Like how many of you, you how, how many of you just excellent with numbers? What are my numbers people? You see numbers and math, they just work. See, I just hate you. You right there, I hate you. Like, them the dudes never had to study for a math test, right? They just see numbers and it works for them. That's not everybody's testimony. That's a gift, right? I know just enough about math to be dangerous. One plus one, let's keep it moving, right? I can't mess with you in, in math. Come see me in history and English class and we can work a little bit there, right? But everybody, that's what God does, doesn't he? There are just certain people that he touches, and he just says, when they're born, you know what? You're going to be brilliant. You're going to be amazing with people. You're going to be able to sing like a bird. You're going to be great with your hands to build and craft and sculpt things and make people look beautiful cosmetically with their hair and their makeup. You're just going to be an athletic freak a nature, right? They're just some people he touches, and that's what they are. Those are those talents. They represent everybody, those gifts, those skills, those assets, those attributes that are God-given, and say, and that he expects us to use an invest for him in order to bring glory and honor to him. You see, everybody, that's the responsibility of living for the end of the road, the responsibility of living for the end, everybody. That speaks that there is an expectation that when someone gives you something that you didn't have previously and that doesn't technically belong to you, that you're gonna handle those things responsibly. If I got some parents of teenage or adult children still living at home, raise your hand. Teenage or adult children. Okay, we, hopefully we're together on this. I got a 23 year old and a 19 year old. Uh, my 23 year old's right over there. He was just singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. Yeah. Yeah. 23 and 19-year-old, everybody, they in my wife's car more than she is. You understand? And I think sometimes they get confused. I think they think sometimes that's their car. It must just be me in my house. I guess y'all don't deal with that same issue. Yeah. And so every now and then, everybody, they need daddy to step in and remind them that that ain't their car. You understand? I got to remind them that, you know, when you get your own car, you can leave your McDonald's wrappers, you can leave your empty soda cans, you can leave your smelly sweat socks, son, in your own car. You understand? But you're going to clean up your mama's car. You're going to wash your mama's car. You're going to put gas 
in your mama's car, you understand? You're going to be responsible for what has been given to you because technically it don't belong to you. I'm just allowing you access to this resource, and I'm going to hold you accountable for how you handle that talent, that gift, that blessing, that resource that I gave to you in the first place. See, some of y'all still think I'm talking about my wife's car. You just said amen right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just so we're very clear, everybody, look at Romans chapter 14. It says this. It says, remember, we will all stand. Somebody say all. all. Stand before the judgment seat of God. And really quickly, 1030, what does all mean? I love it. Somebody say all mean all. Yeah, that's all of us, right? Watch this. I like the last second part. It says, yes, each of us say each of us. Yeah. We'll give a personal account, not family account. What does it say? Personal account. Not a church account, we can't stand behind Pastor Dave and he get us all into heaven. That ain't how that work. No, we got to give a what? Personal account to God. Everybody listen, the responsibility of living for the end, everybody, it suggests that we as a people, that we recognize that the kingdom of heaven is like a master who is entrusting his property to his servants, right? And here's what I hope everybody noticed in reading that passage. Watch this. Each one of us, was given something from God, and all of us at the end of our road, each one of us must give a personal account to God of how we handled what belonged to him. Where's my slide? Each one of us was given something from God, and each one of us must give a personal account to God of how we handle what belonged to him to bring glory to him. Amen? That is the responsibility, everybody, of living for the end. But then, everybody, the reliability, the reliability of living for the end. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, said it like this. He says, whatever is a good and perfect, whatever is good and perfect is a, you see it, coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. And everybody watch this. As we recognize that we rely on God to give us everything that we have, the question for us today is, can he rely on us to handle what he's given us? As we rely on him for everything, can he rely on us to handle and use properly what he's put in our hands? In other words, everybody, how are we using what we've been given by God to bring glory and honor to God? How are we using it? And so, everybody, as we recognize um, that the servants, they represent who? They represent us. Let's check out how these three servants handled the gift that God put in their hands to use, and let's examine if maybe we see ourselves in this passage of Scripture as we're reading through it. Amen? Let's check it out. Okay. The Bible says, immediately, somebody say immediately. The man that received five times went, put him to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. So the man with five earned how many more? The man with two earned how many more? Okay, uh, they doubled, right? And so, but the man who received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. And after a long time, uh, the, 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 the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. All right, so what do we see here? Okay, we got the verse up. Uh, the three servants went, uh, received their talents from the master. Uh, and the Bible says that the first two servants, uh, they heard the word of their master, and they went to work when? Come on, say it like you mean it. They went to work when? Immediately, right? And the Bible says that when they did that, what happened to what they had? It what? It doubled, right? They received double blessing, double anointing, double favor. 
Oh, ain't nobody excited about that. I don't know if anybody in here believing for a double portion of health, a double portion of strength, a double portion of wisdom to lead your families and navigate your life well. I dare somebody to shout out double. Yeah, this is awesome, right? These first two servants, they got double for the trouble. They went to work when? They immediately went to work after they immediately heard the voice of God. And when did the double blessing happen? When did it happen? Oh, no. We was having such a good class. Let's pray, Father. Please help 1030 stop reading the Bible so fast. In Jesus' name. Okay, okay. I did that on purpose. Because, everybody, if we read that too quickly, we will think that just because they heard the word right away and they went to work right away, Isaac, that they saw the blessing of God right away. But everybody, that's not necessarily the case. See, there are two clues in Scripture to help us see that even though they obeyed right away, they went to work right away, they didn't necessarily see the manifestation of the blessing right away. And this is going to encourage somebody in here, I hope, today. Here's the first clue. Number one, verse 19 says, after a long time. Somebody say, after a long time. Yeah, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Are you seeing this? That's the first clue to indicate to us that even though they went to work right away, they may not have saw that manifestation of the blessing right away. But here's the second clue. Second clue. You ready? This one will really seal it for you. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, said, Master, you gave me five talents. Look, I earned five more talents. Watch this, y'all. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were, I'm sorry, it was a little slow. You were faithful over a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Are you seeing that? And if you keep reading that passage, the second servant came, had the exact same exchange with the master, got the exact same response from the master. He said, well done, good and faithful. Uh, Somebody say faithful. That word faithful, everybody, would you agree with me, is a denotation of time. Would you agree with me? Like nobody's going to put that tag faithful on you, Rob, if if you just do something, you know, occasionally or, or every now and then or not consistently, right? Faithfulness says that you have been executing this certain thing over a period of time consistently and as a part of your character. It would be like, how many of you guys remember Elena on our worship team? Y'all remember when I, when I embarrassed her in front of all of y'all and told, her, told y'all that she was engaged, right? It would be like Elena coming out and giving a testimony about her marriage. Oh my God, my husband Gunner, he is awesome. He is just the most faithful, just loving man. On I can't think of a better man and a better husband than Mike Gunner. He is awesome. And she was giving that testimony to a group of people that didn't know her like us. And they say, oh, how long have you been married? Oh, we've been married for three weeks. But listen, this guy is absolutely amazing. He is phenomenal. And they'll be looking at her like, will somebody help this girl get a clue? Right? Because three weeks, you ain't talking about much. Come see me after 13, 23, 35 years and see if that's still your testimony. Right? 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 Because faithfulness, everybody, it recognizes it's a denotation of time. And I want to say this to say, number one, to somebody maybe in the building who you feel like you've been following Jesus and you've been working and doing some things and you feel like the blessing 
that you've been seeking God for has not quite manifested itself, and you feel like you've been waiting for forever and a day. I wonder if I got any real people in the building that's in that space. Can I say to you, if that's you, don't give up, don't stop, and don't quit being faithful. Uh, God is not slack on his promises, and he will bring the blessing if we consistently and continually be faithful. Are you seeing this in Scripture? Yeah. As a matter of fact, everybody, I would say that these first two servants can identify with anybody that's ever been in that space. I would say to you, everybody, that these first two servants understand what it's like to feel like, you know what, things ain't working out. You know what? I would say to you, these servants, every day they was out working for the Lord, every day it wasn't sunshine and roses. I would say to somebody today that there were some days with these first two servants, they probably wanted to quit. Things weren't always looking as good. Some events happened in their lives uh, that didn't necessarily go according to plan. You know, you know, some days I bet you these first two servants felt flat out lonely, overwhelmed, in over their head, incapable of doing what their master called them to do, scared out of their minds that they was going to fail. I bet you these first two servants, everybody, had a season or two of setbacks, uh, disappointments, and discouragement. Hey, family trauma. I bet you they had some health trauma, global pandemic drama, financial drama, hey, baby, daddy, or mama drama. I wish I was talking to some real people up in the building, right? And everybody, if you've ever been in a situation like that, what keeps you going when the going gets rough and times are hard? What keeps you going, everybody, is recognizing that a few poor decisions don't define an entire person. A few bad moments don't determine an entire outcome, and a few unfortunate seasons of living do not define an entire life. I know what the enemy told you. The same doggone lie he's been telling God's people all of our lives. You know, you're going too far this time. You blew it. You will never recover from this mistake. You unlovable. That's your issue. That's why he left. That's why she cheated on you. You're just not good enough or worthy enough to be blessed. And if I got anybody in the building today who you've been subscribing to that news station, you've been subscribing to that channel, and you've been allowing the enemy to speak that garbage in your ear, let me just remind, ladies and gentlemen of the jury today, that the devil is a liar and a loser. Yeah, incapable of speaking what's real and what's true to us. And you ought not subscribe to that fake news another day in your life. Not to mention the fact, everybody, that we have a Savior in Jesus who knows all about our struggles, our faults, our weaknesses, our failures, and our frailties. And he says to us, everybody, don't even trip, baby, because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My love still covers a multitude of sins, and I still am the Lord who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. So don't you worry about your ability to get done what I called you to get done. I don't need your ability. All I need is your availability. Uh, to do this. All I need for you is for your faith to not grow weary because in due season, if we don't quit, God says we will reap a harvest. Just stay faithful. Yeah. I dare you to turn to the person next to you and say, stay faithful. Stay faithful. Tell them, stay stay faithful. Stay faithful. I dare you to tell the person next to you, stay faithful. Everybody, listen to me. You got to hear this. You do understand God didn't make a mistake, y'all. You do understand God didn't make a mistake when he gave you that job you got fired from, right? 
that person you got divorced from, uh, that child you feel like you didn't raise well, uh, uh, that opportunity you feel like you let slip through your fingers. Do y'all think that, that caught Jesus by surprise? Do you? But how many of you guys understand that we serve a God in heaven that can turn our biggest mess into our greatest message and our most colossal trauma into our most triumphal testimony. I wish I had a real witness in the room. Yeah. He can do it as long as we don't stop, fall down, and turn back before we finish the race. Everybody, can I say it to you like this? Uh, If Jesus don't dwell in our past, why are we? And if I can give you something else, uh, we learn from our past, but we don't live in it. Some of us have been living in yesterday for way too long. God's trying to take us to a whole new place, a whole new season of our life. It's time for us to let go of what that garbage was then, and let's walk with Jesus into the future, the blessed promise that he has for us today. Amen? Amen. Yeah, everybody, can I say to you, these first two sermons, make no mistake, everybody, they wasn't perfect. They didn't have it all together, but they stayed after it. They didn't quit. And the Bible says that it was counted to them as righteousness. It was counted to them as faithfulness. And the question for us today is, can Jesus rely on us to be faithful and handle what he's given to us? That's the responsibility, number one, of living for the end. Number two, that's the reliability of living for the end. But lastly, everybody, the accountability of living for the end. Fasten your seatbelts. That's about to get real. Hang in there. Bible says this. He says, then a man who had received the one talent approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a difficult man, reaping what you haven't sown and gathering what you haven't scattered seeds. So I was afraid. Went off and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. But his master replied to him, you evil, lazy, wicked, slothful, terrible servant. You see it? You see it? You see it? Some of y'all are like, Ray, you got to stop bringing the Chi-Town version of the Bible to 1030 service. They don't say all of that. Actually, everybody, it actually does. This time what I did was I looked up this same verse in like three or four different versions of the Bible, and I just quoted it for you. Everything I just quoted is scripture. The master says of this third servant, he says, you evil, lazy, wicked, slothful, terrible servant. This is what the master says about this third servant. And some of you are like, whoa, 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 Pastor Ray, you just said the master represented God, Jesus. What happened to the full of grace and love? And me and, and Josh and the crew was back uh, in uh, teaching, t- well, we was not in teaching team, but we was uh, having devotion right before the uh, worship team came out. And he was like, you know, when you read Psalms, does it seem like God is always angry in the Old Testament? Right? We're getting some of this in the New Testament. And I know some of this is a little bit confusing, but I want, I want you to understand why God's coming for this third servant the way he is. But the first thing I want you to know is what the offense was of the third servant. This is about to get deep. Okay, so the Bible says that this third servant, he understood who the master was. He understood the gift and the talent that the master gave him. But the Bible says he took that talent and he buried it in the ground. Right? That's what the Bible said, right? Okay, so what my farmers and gardeners, raise your hand. You're a farmer, you're a gardener. You're a farmer. We had a lot more farmers at 9 o'clock 
We got to just get a few people. Got a gardener. Okay. Yeah, they get up early, right? I, that's what I said to them. Like, that makes sense. Y'all early birds, right? And so for my farmers and gardeners uh, in the room, what is the term that is a farming or gardening term, but it is also a biblical term for when you take a seed and you put it in the ground? It starts with an S. Beautiful. That's a good class. All right, great. So you sow, right? Okay, so the Bible says this third servant, he took his talent and he sowed it. The Bible says he put it in the ground. Somebody give me another word for ground. What, what is it, buddy? Sebastian? Did he say rain? Grave. Oh, that's deep. <laughs> I love your participation, though, Sebastian. Yeah, not quite, but you're close. Another word for ground, everybody. Dirt, soil, think, think bigger, think bigger. Earth, okay? Give me another word for earth. Starts with a W. Hang on now. Connect the dots. This is what this third servant did. He took the gift that God gave him, and the Bible says that he sold it to the world. Are you seeing this? And everybody, how many times have we seen it in real life and in person, right? Friends, folks we grew up with, kids we helped raise and coach, major talent, major influence to sing, speak, play instruments, dance, lead, inspire, influence people, but they pervert their gift, right? They, they, they make it all about how they can profit and how they can manipulate people to make a book. They literally take their God-given gift and they sow it to the world. And the Bible says that when we do that, everybody, it is literally just like taking your gift and burying it in the ground because at that point, it ceases to be about the master and it becomes all about me. Are y'all seeing this, right? But everybody, I want to share with you now why the master was coming hard for the servant. That wasn't the reason why he came at him. The reason why he came at him was because that third servant, everybody, basically rejected the master. He flat out turned his back and rejected him and said, I'm not living for you, master. I'm living for myself. Now think about it. See what we, what we studied in the scripture. This third servant, everybody, he had every opportunity to choose to live for the master. Josh talked about it during communion, right? God's heart is for every person to come to repentance. His, his, his desire is that no man would perish. However, we got to choose to embrace God's love. He gives us that opportunity, but he also gives us that choice. This third servant had every opportunity to choose the master, every opportunity to make another decision, every opportunity to live for the master, but he chose to do things his own way. Are y'all seeing this? Remember now, it was a long time before the master came back. So he had choice at the decision, at the opportunity to do things the master's way, but ladies and gentlemen, he never did. And think about this guy was around his master every day, received blessings from his master, understood in theory who the master was in his head, but he never allowed that to penetrate his heart. And the master is like, you evil, lazy, wicked, slothful. You of all people, you don't have an excuse. You've seen me. You've heard me. You've watched me. You've been around me. You're not from a third world country. You've never heard about who Jesus is. You know me. Yet you decided and chose to do things your own way and live 
for yourself. Are you seeing this, people? And everybody, this is why we are so hardcore on generosity around here. Because what generosity teaches us is that on this side of the road, we really don't own anything. You know, God's given us the responsibility over it, wants us to be reliable with it, but it's not ours. Husbands, I hate to break it to you, but your wife is not yours. Wives, I hate to break it to you, but your husband is not yours. Your sisters, your brothers, your husband, your family, your friends, your house, your money, your car. It's not ours, everybody. And see, when we think we can dictate and control the way things ought to go with ourselves and the people around us, and it goes opposite of what we imagined it to be, in those places, that's when we will be disproportionately disappointed, disenfranchised, and have a desire to disconnect uh, from God every single time. Everybody hear me clearly. This life, it is not the end-all, be-all. And here's the question, everybody, that I challenge you to wrestle with for the rest of this week. Here it is. Um, are we trying to be happy on earth and possibly miss Jesus in heaven? Or do we desire to be holy on earth so that we can be happy with Jesus in heaven? What do we really want? Because I think that's the issue, everybody. Everybody's like, I just want to be happy. You know, I, I just want to be happy. Whatever that looks like, I want to be happy. And we miss the fact that, and listen, I, I want to say this very clearly. This is where I slightly disagree with Will Smith and the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> slightly, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Can I say this to you, everybody? There is nothing wrong with wanting to be, live well. Nothing wrong with wanting to be blessed. Nothing wrong with wanting to enjoy life and want, wanting to be happy. But God didn't call us to pursue happiness. It's a difference. God called us to pursue holiness. What does that mean? That means we want to pursue living a life that is set apart, giving God permission to use us and help us to influence other people around us. That's what pursuing holiness looks like. And it's amazing that when we align our life with his life and his call, well, we find more joy and happiness and contentment in that place versus us trying to pursue happiness all on our own. Yeah. Are y'all seeing this? And everybody, I think the master was offended by this third servant's explanation. I don't think the master for a second believed what this third servant was selling about who he said he was. Look at this again. Uh, master, you scary. You see it? You hardcore. You the grim reaper. See that? Reaping where you haven't sown, scattering where you haven't gathered seed. So I was scared. You see it? All right. I'm going to dig, hug, dig, hug, uh, put your talent in the ground. All right. And, and, and everybody, were you here last weekend to hear Eric's message? How many heard Eric's sermon? Remember when he talked about sarcasm in the Bible? How many of y'all in your quiet time for the week was looking for sarcastic stuff in the Word like me? It was amazing. I found some sarcasm in the Bible a couple of times during my week, and I found some sarcasm in the Bible right here. I believe the master was sarcastic with this slave, like, me? Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the boogeyman. I'm, I'm the grim reaper. I'm, I'm, I'm candy man. Now, that's who I am. I'm him, right? Well, if I'm this big, scary dude, that should have motivated you to do something, right? He says, uh, if, I, if you knew that I'm this guy you're talking about, why I, I reap what I haven't sown and gather what I haven't scattered seed, that should have scared you enough to do something. You should have deposited my money with the bankers, right? And when I returned, I would have seen my money back with it. Are y'all seeing this? Right? 
And everybody, I think what the mask was really saying to you and I is, I'm difficult. You scared of me. Why? You belong to me. When did I ever not cover you? When did I ever not provide for you, shelter you, feed you, clothe you, trust you with stuff that didn't even belong to you? Now, if you're my enemy, if you oppose to me, darn right, be afraid, be very afraid, right? But I never treated you that way. In fact, I demonstrated for you exactly the opposite. Everybody, how many of y'all know our master demonstrates selflessness, not selfishness? As a matter of fact, uh, the Bible says in Matthew 26, when Jesus on the night that he was going to be betrayed was like, Father, I am not feeling this. You see it? If it's possible, please let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. And in the same breath, he was like, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Selflessness. Everybody, the ultimate demonstration of selflessness is paying a debt we should have paid, covering the cost we couldn't afford to cover when Jesus went to the cross for our sin. And as I get ready to wrap this, everybody, here's the challenge for those of you, maybe you got this kind of survival fight or flight mentality when it comes to giving and opening yourself up to Jesus and allowing yourself to be used by him. Maybe you, you wrestle with that a little bit. You wrestle with your generosity a little bit. Can I say to you, everybody, we will never go without when we're responsible and we're reliable to glorify God with what he's given to us. We will never go without. In fact, Matthew says it like this. He says, but seek what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things you worried about, you know, like paying your bills, having your Starbucks money, your vacation money, you understand? Right? All that other stuff you concerned about, you worried about, you scared about, that will be added to you as well. We never go without, we never lack when we put God first. And everybody, I'm going to get ready to go. I want to be very clear. When we talk about the end of the road and being responsible, reliable, and accountable over what we've been given, we're not talking about everybody going into full-time ministry. That's me and Josh's job, right? Now, some of you, maybe he's called into full-time ministry, but can I say to you, everybody, God needs his people everywhere. We need more Christians. Uh, we need more Christian teachers, coaches, administrators in our public schools influencing our children. We need more Christian business people doing the right thing, giving back to community, showing the public sector that there's a more excellent way of doing business rather than cheating people and extorting people. We need more people, Christians in the sports, in the media, using their platforms to spread the gospel and creating wholesome content that will encourage people. Oh, my God, the chosen. We need that. We need it. And God has chosen some of us in this room, to be his conduit of being used by him to influence this world for eternity. And I think some of us, we struggle with accountability. I want to be accountable. I, gotta, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Do y'all understand? Accountability is not a bad thing. In fact, when done properly, accountability creates intimacy. It can really be the most exciting thing on the planet. My wife's over there. Uh, we, celebrating 25, we celebrated 25 years of marriage in January. Yeah. I know she don't look like it. Um, we've been together for 30 years. And uh, people ask me, you know, how are you doing in your marriage? And, and my testimony has been 
uh, I don't think we've ever been any better than we are right now in this season of our relationship. Really? Yeah. And it's not just because God's blessing us health-wise and financially and all of that, uh, but it's our connectivity. It's just off the chain better. And, and, and one of my buddies asked, well, what do you think that's all about? And I will tell you, um, we regularly come together and we talk about family business. What I mean by that is, yeah, I'm the head, I'm the man, God called me to make the decisions, but it's, this is not a dictatorship, you understand? This is a democracy, right? The Bible says two become one, right? And so we get together and we talk about decisions. I've made enough mistakes to get this part of my marriage right, right? We talk about major decisions. We talk about our finances. We talk about what are the things that we're going to do to help lead our children together. And guess what? She has input on the decisions that we're making. And then we make decisions and we pray about it together. And then I go out and then guess what? I get to come back and give an accountability report of what happened. And when things happen the way they're supposed to happen or when things don't happen the way we think they're going to happen, guess what? We were together and so we walked through it together. And everybody, can I tell you the trust that that's built, the the connectivity that that has created, the intimacy that happens in the meeting room that's spilling over into, you know, the other room, you know, for, for the, keep it PG for the people. Yeah, yeah. But everybody, the joy that we're experiencing is beautiful. And that is the same joy that we get to experience when we recognize that the God that's given us everything that we have expects us to be accountable for what he's given us. And when we have that attitude that I'm excited, Jesus, about sharing with you what I'm doing for you, I'm excited about giving you a report of how you're using me and how you're blessing me to impact and influence my neighbors, my friends, my family. That's what these first two servants did. You just see how excited they were? And the Bible says that created greater intimacy between the master and the servants. Look at the verse. It said, watch this, well done, good and faithful slave. You were over a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Here it is right here. Share your master's Share your master's joy. Share your master's connectivity. Share your master's intimacy. Accountability creates greater intimacy. We should not be afraid of accountability. It is our friend. It is our ally and our asset to creating greater connectivity, greater intimacy with God our creator and our marriages and our families. And everybody, I pray that that is your desire, that you want to see Jesus say to you at the end of your road, because we're all going to get there, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful. I'm going to make you, put you in charge of many. Come on and share greater intimacy and joy with me. Is that your heart's cry? Is that your heart's prayer? Everybody stand to your feet. As you're wrestling with what this looks like for you individually. Maybe God's been pushing you in some areas to be responsible over and be reliable in a gift and a talent that he's given you. What does that look like for you to step out in this a little bit better? And as you're thinking about that in your personal life, can I say to you, uh, in our church, everybody, we have a need and we need your help. Our Kids Works ministry, ladies and gentlemen, we need more adult counselors. We need more adult volunteers. For the first time, we had to turn people away last week 
because we did not have enough adult counselors to help provide care for the children doing the service. And some of y'all, it's 25 of y'all in this room alone. You're excellent with children. That's what you do. They just love you and you love them. If that's your heart's cry and God's been knocking on the door of your heart and you've been looking for an area to serve here at church, that is an excellent place to jump in and we have a need. Guys, we cannot, when we have our grand opening, you see how full the building is starting to get, right? People are coming back to church. And in September, when we do it big and invite people, we cannot have people that are far from Jesus, maybe coming back to church for the first time, we, us telling them, no, we, we can't take your baby because we ain't got enough people. That would be a terrible testimony of our church. So we need you. So if that's you and you're willing to jump in, we got connect cards you can fill out where it says, I want to serve, know about more serving opportunities at Central. Or you can go to centralwire.com and let us know that you want to serve at Kids Where We will follow up with you immediately and get you plugged in. And guess what? We won't be working you to death every weekend. We get enough people jumping in, it will be a nice rotation. Well, you'll be working some weekends and you'll be here worshiping other weekends and it'll be awesome. Amen? Amen. If you need prayer, we got Heather right there. We got Helen right there. If you want to pray about what we talked about today or anything else that's heavy on your heart, let's pray, leave it here, and let the Lord go with you as you go forth this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you. This was a hard word. It was a heavy word, but God, it was a word that we needed to hear. We need to understand, Father God, who we are, who you are, what we have, and the responsibility, the reliability, and the accountability that goes along with it. God is not ours, but you called us to be responsible over it. There's an expectation that you have with the gift and the talent that you put in our hand. May we use it at all times, God, to glorify you wherever you have us and wherever we are. And we pray that you get glory for yourself through us continually and consistently as we yield to allowing you to lead us and guide us in that area. We love you and thank you. As we get ready to leave this place, never from your presence, I pray. In Jesus' name, and let the church say amen. I love you. God bless you guys. See you next weekend. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.